Hey, it's Gina. You're listening to From the Ground Up Floral Podcast, a podcast for florists and creatives. All right. So Sunday morning, we're interviewing Alice and Alice. Um, did you have any other topics you wanted to add in there? or? No, I feel like you had a good list. I like read them once, but I didn't like prepare a ton of answers. I wanted to just... Oh, you're fine. Normal. It's good. On the, I like it that way. I got my clipboard. Cool. Just put on the list. Okay. All right. Um, so let's start out with uh, we're all crazy florists. We're all a little, you know... Um, but where did this crazed passion start for you? You know, I my very first encounter with floral design was when I was in fifth grade, and I did a uh, workshop. It was a summer workshop, and they did a floral design course, and I loved it. So it was, you know, I was in fifth grade. I don't remember all the details of, like, how often we got to actually have our hands on the flowers, um, but I loved it. And then my dad's business partner... Um, also owned a flower shop. So one day, like, they came over with some roses for me to arrange, and, uh, yeah, and I loved it. So fifth grade was when I got that first seed planted, um, but it wasn't until I was 18. Yeah, I got bitten by the by the bug. Um, but then it's sort of, you know, I was a kid, so things just sort of, life went on, and um, I took the course the next year, actually, but they did fake flowers the next year which I did Aww. not like at all. <laughs> at all. Although I do still have one of those projects hanging around. So, because they last forever, right? Permanent botanicals. Right. But, um, but so then when I turned 16, and I was, I'm from New Jersey, so you go to the mall to get a job when you're from New Jersey. So I applied to like every clothing store and no one even called me back. And uh, my mom said, you know, the flower cart is hiring. There was like this little kiosk in the mall right at the entrance of the mall. And uh, I applied and they are literally the only people who called me back. So that's where, Mm -hmm. that's how it started. Yeah, it was just sort of like meant to be, I think. It was totally meant to be. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I was not meant to work at Express apparently. (laughs) I'm pretty sure you would have spent your paycheck there anyways. Oh, believe me, I did. (laughs) That's what I would have (laughs) done. What attracted you to the business side of things? Um, I know you're very business focused and oriented um, the business side as well, but what draw like what draws you to I think for me, it just is inextricable. you know like if I'm gonna run a business, I have to be passionate about business, and I think that I also just naturally am inclined to be interested in that stuff i'm I'm always interested in like how to have excellent customer service and how to really like, you know, make the customer experience special. But the business stuff, you know, it's also, it's nuanced, just like the customer service stuff, but it's a little bit, it's more straightforward. And I feel like I have learned through the years that I've been really lucky with my experience of working at different flower shops and seeing the things that are all done the same, like those things that I call industry standard, because Mm -hmm. they are, because everyone does them that way. And so you can deduce that those are industry standards. And then there are things that are like above that, you know, that's what I try to do, like with my art of good business, sort of running a business with integrity is about like stepping, doing more than what's expected. And, and yeah, being focused on your numbers. 
elevates you above the industry standard. So, I mean, if you're taking the time to become educated and learn how to improve your business and your customer service, I just think it, it kind of puts you here compared to industry standard. You know, it, it really does elevate you and put you above your competition for sure. Yeah, and, it, and that should always be the goal, right? Like we can't be the, we don't want to be in the middle of the pack. It's okay to be in the middle of the pack for a little while. We have to be like having our sights set on being a little bit, uh, like demanding a higher price tag. Otherwise, we're just going to be in the same place all the time. Mm -hmm. For sure. Totally agree. So I'm going to let you talk about your courses. Um, I have the list in front of me, but let's let everybody else know what you have to offer for the floral business side of things. I got a big list of courses. I was really, I'd started with just my course, Flower Math, which is a pricing course to teach people the industry standard on pricing. There are people out there saying there is no industry standard, but that is incorrect. Yeah. We, there is. We do have an industry standard, and it needs to be taught. Um, I feel like that's another thing that's lacking. I, I know that you learn it in, like, school. And, you know, if you work in a flower shop, you learn it. But, um, you know, some people don't happen to start out that way, and everybody's different in where they start. So, yeah. Sure. Like if have. you have a, a flower shop mentor, you might not know, you know, like I feel people all the time are confused. Like what's a design fee? I'm like it's what you get paid for your time. And it's really important that you charge it, you know, and everyone should have a little bit of a range of what's reasonable for them, you know? Um, so yeah, like there is an industry standard on pricing. So my mission, like my mission in life is to make sure that as many floral designers as need this course can get it, you know, because it really is something that is, if you don't understand how you charge for things, if you don't understand how you make money off of things, then what are you doing? I just, I, I just don't even understand how you can even start if you don't know those things. And, uh, and also, you know, you're leaving money on the table if you're not maximizing your profit margin. And who wants to run a business like that? You know, who wants to be like, well, I yeah. could be making 20% more but whatever. Yeah. That's okay. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Like you have to, you know, keep in line. Also, I'm a fierce protector of flower shops. I really feel like I don't have a flower shop, but I don't feel like I compete with the flower shop. What I do is completely different. You can't get what I do at any flower shops around here. And that's just the truth. What I do is different. And mm -hmm. if someone needs a flower shop order, I send them to the flower shop <laughs> because it's important that a home business, a studio business, doesn't put flower shops out of business. Because you need somebody to call when there's a funeral or a graduation or a prom, you know? Yeah. It ain't me, babe. It ain't me you're looking for for those things. So we have to keep those businesses alive, and we can't undercut them by underpricing. Right. Um, so that's no, my very first course. Yes, it is. We have to respect our competitors, you know? Yep. Fellow business people, I mean, it's, it's, it's how you, I freelance for a lot of shops around here too. I mean, it's not, it's not unheard of, but I, there's no way I'm going to undercut somebody else. You know, we, we need to band together on that one. And yes, we do need to make sure everybody's using industry standards on pricing. Um, important. Um, yeah. Continue on with your courses. I know that was just one. <laughs> yeah, that was like my first, that's my first course and I thought would be my only course. And then um, I got some suggestions from people like, oh, you know, you 
are a really good communicator with your clients, uh, what about doing some email templates? So then it just sort of like the floodgates opened with ideas on that. So now I've got a few different courses. I've got free courses too, which are, you know, collections of videos and things that I've done. Um, a lot about pricing for sure, but other things as well. And, yeah. uh, then I have email templates. I've got two bundles of email templates now, and which are really designed to help people have a more professional voice when talking with clients. So they, you don't leave any loose ends out there. There's no like, well, so how do I book you? Or so can we make another update to this proposal? Can I meet you again before I've even given you a deposit? There are ways that we need to sort of manage our time and our clients. So that's my email template intention is to help people really like have a clearer voice with customers. Yeah. I've got a proposal writing course to show you how to write proposals that are just not painful. <laughs> people feel like proposals are painful. They put them yeah. off. And the longer you put off a proposal, the longer it takes for the client to book. Yeah. So if you can write that proposal quickly, you can book weddings more quickly. And um, I show you exactly how I do that, where I give the client enough information but not so much information that they could just take it right over to another florist. Cause I know a lot of people worry about that. Yeah. I don't personally worry about that. And I think it's partially because of the way I put together the proposal. It's like, go ahead, take it to them. Let they'll have to do their own work on it. It's not like, See, that's my problem too. I sit there and I take hours and I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I spending two hours? I haven't booked you. And my husband's yeah. like, why are you so slow? <laughs> Cause there's a lot to think about. I'm like, I need to have this in here. I need to have the picture. I need to have this. And I'm like, no, I really don't. But but you do for your level of service, right? And I'm the same way. Like, I like to have some pictures. I like to have, you know, things in there that show them that we had the same conversation. That's my intention is for them to leave feeling like, hey, this person understands. We were on the same page. <laughs> You're on the same page. So, so my proposal course is really designed to just help it be like, Here's, it's a template, but of course you kind of, you have to do your own work on it. But the, you make a good point about the, the detail of it, right? It's like, when I'm writing to a bride, is this color wine? Is it burgundy? Or is it deep red? We need to have our language on point so they know we heard them. And it does take time. And it does yeah. take, you know, rereading and stuff. Um, and I also have a work, a wedding workflow course. And that really is just sort of like a behind the scenes look at, from the first email I get from a client to like after the wedding, like what I do and when I do it. It's a pretty sweet little course, I have to say. It's, I made it really affordable because I think it's something that people are interested in but don't want to like invest in. <laughs> and I think it's important to have a sense of that. set up a workflow. I mean, it's, it takes a while. You know, you have the experience and it's a proven workflow, of course, because you while and you know if it's improving it yeah if it's a proven system <laughs> it's nice to have something you can just hand over to somebody else and have them you know walk walk through and be able to take a client from start to finish and they don't have to do as much work and make all the mistakes that we've made along the way that's we helpful all do it. We, yeah. we all have our own journey with those like mistakes are like like every year's a learning year i always say that every year there's something to learn you will get a lesson that you could not have anticipated. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's when I have my, my workflow at this point is really like, you know, it's for me too at times. I look at it and go, oh, you didn't do this. You know, you have to follow. I have to follow through. If I'm going to preach it, I got to practice it. That's really how I feel. Yeah.
And then what's your next? We have the templates. And then what's your big course? I know you have a, a big, big course, course out there. Which I have to set dates for. I'm either going to do it in October or January. Okay. Someone said do it both. And I'm like, I think I need to pick one. But it's oh, called The Art yeah. of Good Business. I know. It's like, it's easy to be like, oh, we'll do it so everyone can take it. Um, but it's called The Art of Good Business. And it's really a, about running a business with integrity and building a brand that lasts, not just something that looks good on Instagram. Um, I think, you know, we live in a, we live in a day and age, Gina, where we're so focused on followers, right? Like how many people it's somehow validates people. You know, I was talking with a floral designer last weekend. We were like chit chatting and, uh, I said, let me see how many followers. She had like 15,000 followers, right? No. It's an unbelievable amount of followers. To me, I, I can't imagine having that many followers. But the bottom line is it doesn't matter if your brand isn't good. It doesn't matter if you're not getting the right clients. So the Art of Good Business is really designed to teach people everything, everything I know about how I attract ideal clients, who they are, and how you define them. Because they're not, it's not just some woo-woo like concept that exists. They're real people. You yourself are an ideal client for certain businesses. The things that you buy super easily, you're an ideal client. So if we can tap into things outside of just flowers, of what makes our client tick, we can speak directly to their hearts and become a clear choice for them. Um, which is what I mean when I say like we want to eliminate the competition. We're not looking to put people out of business. But eliminate no, the need. Yeah, and we but we want them to eliminate the need to look at other people. You know, that's what right. I found over the years is when I send a proposal, I think partially because I send it quickly and you know it's precise enough that they don't shop with other people. I know that they don't. Some people do, obviously, <laughs> but for the most part, I can send out a proposal and it'll get accepted. I mean, one time I sent a proposal, it was accepted within an hour. One time I sent a proposal and it was accepted, you know, like so enthusiastically that you're just like, wow, <laughs> yes, you're working with the queen. I'm the queen. Yeah. That's an ideal client experience, right? Like when you have someone who just says yes to yeah. you with ease, that's what we just want more of. And so that's what I uh, really, really walk people through in the art of good business. It's a, it's a five week course with major content where people have said to me like I didn't realize this was everything I ever needed to know about business right here in this course and I'm like okay good as long as <laughs> I don't I'm really big about delivering value so I don't want to yeah. over promise and under deliver that's like not allowed I'm laughing in my head when you said all that woo woo stuff because I feel there are a lot of courses out there that are just you know it's like well how do you do this you just feel about this and you know it's not really the meat and potatoes kind of yeah. you know they just fluff over don't really go into detail I've I mean I've personally purchased a few courses like that where it's like okay yeah obviously that's my ideal client like if, if you really dive into who you're looking for and how you're gonna get a yes really quickly it's it's you have to have some meat and potatoes you can't like fluff over it um so that's that's awesome I'm glad that you mentioned that well you know I think ideal client is like the buzzword right now I really do I mean I when I graduated from college in 2000 I have a small business minor 
you know, which isn't like, <laughs> it's not something like amazing, right? I studied small business, right? Yeah. Um, but I like, I got most of my business experience on the streets, you know, in the flower shop, but Jersey. <laughs> exactly. But you never heard anyone say the word ideal client. I did not hear the word ideal and client together ever till much more recently. And now people throw it around all the time. Well, what you want are ideal clients and who we want to talk to are ideal clients. But I really do understand who my ideal clients are after these years. And I think people understand who their ideal clients are, but they don't understand how to approach, how to dissect that for themselves. Like, my ideal client isn't just somebody who has a $5,000 floral budget. There was a time where I was sort of under that delusion. Like, well, if I can just book 15, $5,000 weddings, right? And I, that's my ideal. But what if that person who has a $5,000 budget really has a $10,000 expectation? Well, they're not an ideal client, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> and what about like the wedding I did yesterday where the bride, uh, I literally met her once. I literally talked to her on the phone once. We've exchanged probably less than four emails. They paid me early. <laughs> and when I showed up to her yesterday, it's a rainy day. She's like so joyful. Um, couldn't care about things that most people get a little upset about. Almost mm -hmm. cried when she saw her bouquet. I had to do the Aww. thing. And yeah. And sent me text messages today about like how excited she was. Ideal okay. client. That's that's it. That's perfection right there. $3,300 budget, right? So like if I had this $5,000 idea in my mind, I'm missing out on this really amazing person, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I have really honed in on uh, sort of peeling away the illusion of what's important and getting to the heart of what really matters to me and to my clients. Yeah, for sure. And I'm proud of it. <laughs> Amazing thing to accomplish. It feels so good when you have somebody that was like, that was just, that was cake. That was, <laughs> you yeah. know, one of those people. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's see. So that was flower math. We didn't talk about flower math. Well, that was the first thing. Yeah, that's the price of course. So that's okay. that is uh, really the it is a it's pretty quick and easy when you once yeah. you get into it. It's not like an overwhelming course. Um, so I think some people probably fly through it in like a couple of hours, whereas other people might get back into it and revisit it. Um, but yeah, that's that's definitely my my still my my heart is that course. Yes, for sure. Um, and then for your art of good business, is that, it, I mean, how many people do you limit that to when you uh, open your course? That's a great question. You know, I hadn't, I didn't limit it the first time I ran it because it was new. Um, and I didn't have that many people sign up for it. There were like maybe, oh gosh, I want to say I've had maybe like 12 people actually go through the whole course some people kind of like got in it, then like sort of petered out. I had a couple of sort of test people in there. And you, and again, you know, it speaks to ideal client. When you yes. give somebody a big course like that, if, unless they're into it, they're not going to necessarily finish it, right? So it was, it was an interesting learning moment for me. The people who like invested or felt like it was a stretch for them financially, they're the ones who finished the course and who got the most benefit out of it. So... I've learned, 
yeah, like I've learned my lesson on that of, you know, I really only want ideal clients in there too. So I'm not afraid to have people not do the course. Um, I'd love to get like 20 people signed up for it for my next session. And really like we have a private Facebook group and we really talk about stuff and I do live streams in there. I just want people to, to do the work. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to like buy a course and be like, that was good. And now I'm back to my old habits. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, I think the level of touch points with a course, I mean, if you have the live Facebook chats, you just make sure that everybody's helping out, you know, it does make them more apt to finish. But that's true. I mean, the people that are really spending the money to get a result, um, you know, they make that dollars. That's an important investment to them. Those are the people you really help out. Um, Absolutely. All right. Let's see. So we have some touching points on. I had that video that you posted about overstuffing and adding that one extra rose. I know that was a while back, but I watched and I was like, oh my God, that one extra rose. Let's talk about that for a minute. That one rose. I know it, it adds up so much. You know, I don't have the, the numbers in front of me at the moment, but I feel like it was like something like, oh gosh, I'm probably going to quote it wrong now, but I think it was $24,000 or something at the end of a year, potentially that you could lose. Yeah. With one single rose, depending on like the size of your business and the frequency of things. And Also, of course, you know, like with this one single rose thing, you know, people like someone wrote in uh, my Facebook group the other day, uh, how much do you over order? Like how much extra product? And someone was like, oh, 25%. Someone said 10%. So, yeah, I love your face. It's like, I don't (laughs) know an actual rule on that. But I'll tell you, like after the wedding I did yesterday, I have got nine roses, two peonies and one hydrangea. That is it. That is all that came back. You want those buckets to be a little empty. As empty as possible. You don't want extra product left over. As empty as possible. So when you're a home-based florist and you don't have the ability to, like, maybe sell that overage, you know, that's where that one extra rose becomes 50 stems of something extra. And you're like, whoa, this is too much every week. If I'm overbuying by $60, it adds up fast. So we have to keep track of those things. The, yep. the re- I remember working in flower shops where the person I call my best worst boss, he was the best worst boss ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was amazing at customer service and he really understood the importance of that. And he was very good about educating the florists that worked for him. And talking about the stem count situation was something I learned back then. You know, if your florists are overfilling, they are giving away product. And there's yeah. absolutely no other business where people do that. People don't say at a restaurant, I'm bringing you extra appetizers at no charge. That just does not happen. <laughs> unless you know the chef, right? Or unless they messed up, <laughs> they're making up for something. I know you paid for this entree, but here's, here's your single entree, entree for tomorrow. Exactly. Here's some extras for you. Yeah. It couldn't all fit on the plate, so we're giving you the extras that were in the pot. You know? And, and florists do look that, at it that way. I know I've heard florists say, well, um, if I bought the flowers for their wedding, they're the client's flowers, and, like, I owe them to them. I'm like, what? No. If you had to buy 25 roses, but they only paid for 12 of them, 
Well, either you need to rework your recipe, right, where you can figure out how you use two in each instead of just the one, right? So there are ways we can mitigate these damages. Again, of course, flower math is where I talk about those sorts of recipe creation so that you, what I call keep your- Are using your stomach counts. Right. Yeah, yeah, we want our wholesale orders tight and right so we're not overbuying. We don't want to underbuy, but we should buy what we need. That's what we do, right? It takes practice. It really does. I mean- got to get your spreadsheet out and you got to do the work. You can't just, oh, we'll order 50 of those. Yep. And want to make money. That's what they yeah. pay us for, for that knowledge and the understanding and then to like make their dream come true. Super helpful. I, I mean, I, when I saw that video, I was like, yeah, that's that one extra rose. I, I cannot believe how much that adds up and it makes total sense, but it's crazy. I'll actually post the link. Um, when we get this finished up, I'll go look for that. Oh, <laughs> I know you have yeah. it in there somewhere. It's one of my favorites. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, it was it was fun to actually talk numbers. You know, a lot of people will ask advice or ask a question that is, you know, what do you think? I have this opportunity to um, open a retail business. It's like, okay, what about the numbers? <laughs> it's always, mm -hmm. they're always going to tell you the truest story of what's possible. Yep, for sure. And it's, it's nice to have something to put that into perspective for people, um, you know, because a lot of people are like, oh, well, those are the numbers. And as creative people, we just don't uh, think about it unless we can really relate to it. Um, so that's why I really, I relate to that video because I was like, yeah, it's, you could just bleed money out of one row. So it's crazy. Yeah. And how, like, what would you advise for people to just stop giving away the farm? Like what, just, you know, keeping your margins tight. Um, is that something you would recommend just keeping sure you're under or amount? Is that how you would do it yourself? You know, for me, I, I always say, I think like a flower shop. So I really look at flowers like dollars. <laughs> I really do. Like I see, you know, it's like a, like a, in a cartoon, you like when the, a character's really hungry and all of a sudden the other character turns into a piece of meat. Like I see flowers and they turn into like a dollar sign, you know? Flowers. Um, hold it up into dollars. Yeah. Yes, like little ch -ch -ch. <laughs> But that's the truth. Like when I see a rose, I'm like, that's lovely. That's $5. Or that's lovely. That's $12 if it's a David Austin rose, right? Or maybe it's $4. But whatever it is, like I am aware of that it has a price tag. They, that is how I see it. But I think when you're, you know, again, I think my experience of working at the different shops I did has been tremendously helpful in like keeping me grounded around my pricing because I went from a shop that was very busy again best worst boss I mean he said we were the busiest flower shop in Vermont and New Hampshire okay I don't know if that was true but we did a lot of 1-800 flowers orders and a lot of, right we did a lot of that yep. volume um when I went from his shop to a much more boutique like European flower market where like a $35 arrangement looked like a bud base and you know and again that was like 15 17 years ago something like that you go wow people will pay this yeah because it has it's coming from this shop because it has these flowers because it has this tag and this sticker people pay more for that perceived value and the customer experience that they get from you so I recognize uh very, very like wholeheartedly that it's 
my value isn't directly tied to that stem count, even though I see the dollars when I see the rows, my value is tied to my ability to arrange it for you. My value is tied to those phone calls that we had that were so pleasant for you. My value is tied to all those emails that were prompt and specific and informative. That is why I don't have to put an extra rose in there because I gave you felt that value before I even showed up. That's, that's what it's really about. That's wonderful news. I, I love hearing that. A lot of people are, you know, they got to stick that extra flower in there and it's, it's not good. Um, about um, truly making a living as a florist. Um, the, the common misconception that we play with flowers all day yeah. and that it's such a glam life and we're making so much money. <laughs> I mean, we live the life, don't we? Yeah. Cleaning buckets. So much fun. My back doesn't hurt. I'm never tired. My studio is always perfect. I'm freezing out here right now. Yeah, there's oh, no. acclimatization. You know, there are things that we have to put up with. Product doesn't always come in right. You know, this isn't, this isn't fun and games. You know, showing up and like yesterday, right, was a great success, right? But what if I showed up and she's like, oh, you know what? I don't really like these little fit, these pokey I still be in here. Can you, you have to be able to roll with that. You can't be like, yeah. but I made it and it's perfect. And this is, you gotta, the customer has to have a role in this too. Um, and you're subject to the client sometimes, you know, sometimes they're fabulous. Sometimes they're yeah. not, but they're still your customer. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, I think it's just a lot more of the, uh, like the Instagram world. And I, I've actually heard a lot lately that people are retiring or leaving their jobs to pursue more artful um, jobs like that. And uh, floristry is a big one. Um, I just think a lot of people don't understand how much work it actually is. It's not, you know, it's not all rolling around in flowers and jetting off to do destination weddings. Um, there's a lot of hard work uh, that's involved. It's not, it's not easy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you have to start, I start on Wednesday for a Saturday wedding. You know, by the time it gets into the busy season, as you know, it's hard to even catch your breath sometimes between I have to invoice this client, I have to order flowers for that client, I have to pick up the flowers for this client. And you, I do want everyone to feel like they're getting enough attention. I don't want my answer to be, I'm working right now, so I can't. Oh, I know. Sometimes it has to be that. But I want my clients to know that they're important. And how do they know they're important? Because they feel that every time they send me an email, they get something back, you know? Yeah. And so we, we have to, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Rightly so, right? We should be getting paid well to compensate. And, you know, I know a lot of people will say like, can I ever leave my job? Or, you know, and I think that that's a matter of like, again, what do the numbers tell you? How much money do you need to bring in for your family? How many weddings or weekly orders or funerals or whatever work you're going to do? How many of those do you need? And is that possible for you to bring in that kind of money? Like this isn't, you know, we don't have to just like, oh, wish on a shooting star. We can mm -hmm. figure this out. And is this attainable? How much do I have to make? 
And what do I do, have to do to make that? We can do yeah. that is what, you know, real That's a very good point is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm working through that right now. It's, it's, I, I, um, to be honest, I mean, I have a side job still. Yeah. And I haven't been able to, you know, it, I haven't been able to quit it yet, but it's one of those things you have to work backwards to look at how much you need to make. And, uh, you know, I've been working towards that. It's, it's been, it's been tough, but if you love something enough, you're going to want to make it work. So that's where I'm at. Um, and I know there's like the newer people coming out or they need to do the working backwards thing. Just make sure you account for what you need to make and uh, you just make it happen. Yeah. And always be, I'm big on bootstrapping my business. Like I don't make big investments. I don't have lots of inventory, even still, like I buy as I need it. But, you know, I do think that people tend to invest too much money in their small business. You know, the business should be able to sustain itself mm -hmm. and bring in money and be worth it for the time before you quit your other job, you know? And there's no shame in having another job too. I think that sometimes people yeah. really do feel like they can't admit to people that they have another job. It's like, oh, I know. I, I've struggled with that a lot. It's like, sure, I do have another job, but you know, it's, it's just because I really want to make this work the way yeah. that it should. I don't want to just, you know, jump in all, all cards on the deck and not have it work out because um, that would probably break my heart. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the new people out there need to know that it's not all, it's not all roses yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. There's it a lot of thorns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that kind of segues into my next question is maybe advice for people who are starting out that feel that they can't charge as much, maybe some of the top designers. Um, what would you give advice for somebody that's just starting out? I think, you know, I, the truth is what I should say is they should get my course flower math because, <laughs> you know, like I, when I see people saying that they can't or they, they don't know, you, like, for example, I spoke with someone a few weeks ago who said, I'm new. People love her work. She gets rave reviews. Everyone's super duper happy, but she's new. It's like, so what? If you're already good, why... Why should you have to have a certain amount of years that you do something before you can charge, again, the industry standard? It's an industry standard. It's not like this is what the good people charge and this is what the crap designers charge. Right. That's not it. <laughs> you could pay a lot of money and still get not a great result. So, you right. know, the bottom line is it is about putting yourself out there to some extent in terms of mm -hmm. getting some kind of brand recognition. Um, you know, I'm big on blogging. It's not always easy to do, but that's where you, again, attract those ideal clients who are then willing to pay you whatever it is that you're charging. So, like, I have never, even when I worked from my second-story kitchen upstairs in my apartment and had a hatchback little Subaru, I charged what I charge now on mm -hmm. my flower markups, on my supply markups, and my design fee has gone up very little, even though I give myself, you know, pay increase. Um, I mean, it's probably gone up by 5% or something like that, you know, over the years because yeah, there are times where I would charge 30% design fee because it's simple and it's easy and I want the design to be full. 
and then, you know, 40%, maybe I'll even go above 40% this year. Totally possible. I'm starting to consider that. I know. But, it's, it's been rolling around in my head, too. I'm like, hmm. And, you know, things that are more complicated, of course, we charge more for. Things that you're like, oh, this is labor intensive. Or even something you just think, oh, I don't want to do this. Well, then yeah. you charge more for it, yeah, right? For sure. It, it makes it less painful. But I do think that, you know, not not thinking of yourself as lesser than. You know, some people are like, well, I'm not formally trained. Well, a lot of people aren't formally trained, you know? And that no, also goes, that goes to like a, a country, like continental divide even, right? Like in England or even like in Australia, you know, they have flor they're floristry graduates. You know, they have a course that they completed. And we, I know you're AIFD, you know, not everyone who's a successful florist in the States has any sort of certification, you know? It's true. Some of the people that we look at and that seem to demand a high price, that's the thing. You look and you go, oh, look at this person. She's in Martha Stewart or she's famous on Instagram, whatever it is. She must make so much money. You have no idea how much money she made on that wedding. That's Get over it. Who cares? I don't care if you did a huge ceiling installation. You might have made $5 on that. You might have lost $1,000 on that. You might have made $10,000 on it. I have no idea. It's not my business. So I do what I do, and I don't look at people who do something bigger and just think, wow, at the end of the year, they may have less money in the bank than I do because of how much they paid out or because of the PR that they pay for. Even if they have more money in the bank than I do, the pressure on them to be producing or like, hey, I haven't seen anything posted by that person in a while. I wonder what it's, that's not, again, it ain't me, babe. That's not what I'm looking for. I want to be a real florist who does real work. And I'm not comparing myself to these people who, some are very famous. Some have courses out, right? They've been in business less than five years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's hard. And that's, new people are seeing i mean um when you think about it if you go scroll through go it's it's kind of crazy out there right now and it's um it just seems scary and unobtainable like how for a new person i i think i'd be scared crapless right now if i decided to whole business i'd be like holy holy crap i can't compete with these people um but yeah that's so true you never know what they charged for that like yeah, or how much or how much it costs them. Yeah, they could exactly. charge three hundred and fifty dollars for the arrangement. You're like, wow, that's great, but it costs them two hundred dollars because of what you know. You just don't know what someone else is sort of like. Again, the money shoes, right? I don't know what someone else is comfortable making off of something. Just because someone is doing beautiful work and has a big Instagram following, doesn't mean they have a successful business. And it's just really important. For people to know that that person can still be struggling behind the scenes, whether it's emotionally because there's a lot of eyeballs on them, or whether it's just financially because it looks like they're doing this, so they have to keep doing photo shoots to make it look like they're doing this, and they're losing money on those things. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you don't I'm, really know. I want. I'm in this for the long term, right? So I don't have a short term goal of like I want to have five thousand followers or I want to have twenty thousand followers. I think I have like two thousand followers, like. I think people would be surprised how very few people follow me, but that's okay because I have a successful yeah, business in real life. You're doing it, you feel is the right way with integrity, yeah. and you know you're not not over fluffing with 
the pretty, I mean, the Instagram is beautiful. It's those huge, unobtainable, crazy, I mean, right now, and it's, it's beautiful and it's great, but yeah, you just don't know behind the scenes for sure. Yep. Scary for a lot of new people. Um, okay, so we're going to go into what side of floral design do you like the least right now? <laughs> oh, that's a tricky one. Floral design I like the least. You know, I, I'm, this is not going to be popular, but I'm not a huge fan of elevated centerpieces. And I know that is like all the rage. I did some last year, actually, um, believe it or not, for the first time, because I always um, talk about how I don't think it's a great idea. I like ease of conversation. And also, mm -hmm. as we know, the average client doesn't have a budget big enough for a 200 or $350 elevated piece on 20 tables. Um, so that's it. I had a lot of fun making them last year. They were profitable. It wasn't like as scary as I thought to make this big thing. But just to me, it's, uh, it's very showy and that's great. But I like real. I like, you know, again, I think that might be because of my flower shop background. I like something that you can pick up, take home with you. I like something that is more practical, that's more intimate um, so I think if I have to pick on something, I think it's going to be elevated pieces. Elevated design. That's good. So, I mean, everybody has, everybody has their one little they're thing. They're gorgeous. They're just not, just not for yeah. me. I'm not looking to sell that. I've never been looking to sell that and I have not changed my mind. Well, at least you tried it out. You know, you got to yeah. try something. And it was fun and it was beautiful and showy, but the logistics of even delivering it. And there are only a few pieces. If it had been the whole wedding. Say, did you do like half and half? Kind of split up the elevated with it, the lower? It was, yep. And, and originally it was supposed to be only like two elevated pieces. And I was like, okay, I can do that. And then she's like, but now I want... So it was, it was, a, it was a great example of a not ideal client situation mm -hmm. that I got yeah. myself just last year. So it happens to all of us. It does. Um, so what's your favorite thing? What are you really digging right now? Really digging? I'm going to say I am digging spending a little more time on my arrangements. I always was, I was always gauging how successful or how good I was by how fast I could do something. That was done fast. These were done fast. That was done fast. Again, probably goes back to my flower shop roots. But I always admired fast designers. Like someone, I can think of this one designer that I know, Claire. And she, gosh, she could design so fast and it's so beautiful every time and doesn't feel mm -hmm. cookie cutter. I'm just like, I want to be like Claire, you know? But now I'm really enjoying, like, even though the bridal bouquet looks good, I'm going to make it again. I think I can do it better next time. And even though this centerpiece looks all right, I'm going to add a little something extra. And I'm also really enjoying making a more concerted effort to like get something from my garden and put it in yeah. every wedding, even if it's hosta leaves or like it was ladies mantle this weekend and some hosta and uh, some columbine from my garden that I was like, this is just for the bride, you know, little things like that, that make it feel like bring it back down to earth a little bit more. I mm -hmm. guess that's sort yeah. of how I'm, what I'm having fun with. I think I really like that part too lately. It's been um, 
it's been a struggle to get my backyard looking the way I want. And, you know, we've been working on it, working on it, but yeah, there's, I have some things I can use and it's, it's kind of nice to be able to be like, Oh, look, I don't have to go buy that. It's just right there. <laughs> I have this beautiful clematis that I can see like out my window right now, climbing up and I'm like, Oh, I could cut that. Yeah. I'm not cutting that, but I could. <laughs> Good. In theory. Special. I'm saving it for myself. <laughs> yep. Well, that concludes all, all my, con let's see. Uh, I guess we should wrap up. That's, that's a good thing to do. I don't really have any more questions, but do you have anything you wanted to chat about? Um, I just want to say thank you for asking to interview me because this is really, like, like I say, every year is a learning year. With my courses, it's new for me. I mean, I just released Flower Map in 2015, like in November of 2015. So yeah. it's really a new business. It's less than two years old. So this is great. I don't want to say this is great practice for me, <laughs> but it is a great experience to get to, you know, to talk about my courses out loud instead of just typing them um, or doing a live yeah, social media. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what we're doing. I would just, I want to get the word out that there are people that you can look for and go to for certain things. I mean, obviously the business side of things, I, you have amazing courses um, and everybody should get out there and check it out. And you even have free courses as well. I do. So, I have three courses because I think that not everyone, not everyone needs my courses, right? Like if you're already like a successful florist, you make 70% profit margins on your flowers and supplies, you don't need my course. But I've still got like stuff that mm -hmm. like my poor pricing mistakes florists make. You know, those are things that are more like social mistakes we make, you know, like quoting on yeah. the spot, things like that, which I think a lot of us feel like we need to do. We don't. You don't have to just be an answer machine of pricing. You're not a human calculator. You know, it's like, I, you can say to somebody, I'll get back to you with a price. You're allowed to do that. Yep. I've had people ask me that on the spot, and I'm like, well, so <laughs> I'll get back to you. Yeah. And it's, it's okay to say that. You don't have to, you know, if they can't understand that there's more that goes into it, then, oh, yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be $75. Exactly. I'm all that for you. And then you get home and you go, oh, but I forget now I'm going to need an extra vehicle and I'm going to need another person. So that $75 arrangement is actually like $400. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. That's why we need to think. We can't be rushed. Yes, that's very And I do think there's so much more, there's so much more to be accomplished in floral design and the business of floral design and floristry and the floral, however many different ways you want to break down what it is we do, whether you're a florist, a floral designer, a floral printer, however you break it down, we can always be doing better and giving our clients more value. And it doesn't mean more stems, but if we can give them a better experience, you know, we can, we can combat this like, uh, devaluing of flowers that these grocery yeah. stores have been doing to us for years because yeah. that they don't do what I do. They don't compete with me. I've never had a client say to me, people say, well, the grocery stores, no, no, you're, you do it to yourself. It's not the grocery stores at all. I mean, everybody, heck, I go to the store and buy a bouquet of flowers at Trader Joe's every now and then. It's not, it's not anything else besides like, it's a grocery item to most people when they go. You know, if they want a designed, perfect, beautiful piece, then they're going to come to you. It's it's a difference in 
market. There's nothing to do with, yeah, nothing to do with putting anybody out of business there. I think that the grocery stores should take flower math because I think if they realize how much money they're leaving on the table, honestly, like they'd be kicking themselves. They think they just never, somehow they never understood that there's an actual value and skill behind this. And so they just sell it like it's cheap and garbage just so they can sell other stuff that they feel is important. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, they could have been making a ton of money all these years simply by charging just like a flower shop. Yeah. Well, they're lost. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I feel pretty good. Um, thank you so much for letting me interview you. It was great. Thank you um, so much. I enjoyed it. Have the rest of your Sunday. Have a great day. Um, thank you so much, Gina. We nice will. I'll see you on the interwebs. Yes, for sure. <laughs> All right. Bye. Take care. Bye -bye. You too. I had so much fun today talking with you. Please tune in next time. And for any show notes or links that we talked about today, please go to fromthegroundupfloral.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>